you know, the Americans, they're still getting their three and a halfs, but we're not, we don't have the same check boxes that they can fill in for us. We don't have a social security number. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Welcome back to another episode. I am Sarah Larby and you are listening to Where Should I Invest? Today's guest is Glenn Sutherland. You may know him already from his own podcast called A Canadian Investing in the USA. And that's essentially what we talk about in this podcast is the differences between US and Canadian real estate investing. And he is a Canadian from Cambridge, Ontario, and he started investing in real estate locally and uh, and then decided that he wanted to invest in the US for lower property taxes, lower cost of entry, um, potentially, you know, also more favorable laws, et cetera, et cetera. So we go through that again um, in detail on, you know, some of the reasons why he decided to go and invest in the U.S. and what he's been able to do um, by doing that strategy instead of investing in Canada. And I still love investing in Canada, but, you know, always look for the different opportunities, but careful not to have analysis paralysis, pick your strategy. Um, but this podcast is really cool because I think it's just important to understand as Canadian investors, if we wanted to go into a different country, specifically in this case, the US, what we need to know and what we need to do and what we could have in terms of wealth creation. And there's pros and cons, right, to every single market. So that's what we talk about today. And by the way, my Burr Freedom community is launching. It is launching in January. It's going to be a 12-month online virtual community where we are going to go through everything that you're going to need to know about the Burr strategy over that 12-month time frame. So check out my website, sarahlarby.com, and that, that will be up for you to join. It is going to be limited in spots. It is definitely very affordable, but it is going to be limited. So, you know, we're going to cap it, and then essentially there will be a waiting list. So with that said, guys, let's bring on Glenn to the show, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Glenn, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. So for those of you listening, Glenn is a Canadian investing in the US, but I won't spoil it. Glenn, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, 30,000 foot view. Sure. Well, I'm Glenn Sutherland. I live in Cambridge, Ontario, based on the sign. I do invest in the United States. Uh, I did start by investing, uh, doing all my investing in locally, uh, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, over by London, uh, in this area, and I just spread out into other markets. I raise money, uh, I do joint ventures, and we buy properties cheap and renovate them and either refinance them or flip them. Very cool. So, so yeah. why did you get started and, and then say the U.S. is the way to go? <laughs> well... Once I got comfortable with a bit of distance, I had a tenant that moved over to uh, the other side of London who was in Cambridge. It was my best tenant. And once I was comfortable with that sort of space, which is like a couple hours away from my tenants, then in all honesty, if you look at podcasting like three or four years ago, it was maybe five years ago, it was all American. Like it was all American. So I got so much American information and took notes and absorbed and I finally just went, I'm going to take a stab at it. And 
it's worked well for me. So I just, I keep doing it. I have a whole bunch of reasons why I, why I do it, but yeah, that's, that's basically it. I, <laughs> it, it worked and um, it was repeatable. It was affordable. Anyway, I have a whole bunch of different things we can go into. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. so where in the U S did you decide to invest? I started in Huntsville, Alabama. And I can go into my whole thing about why, but it's a growing city. A lot of Trump money went into that city. Toyota, Mazda, Blue Origin, which is an Amazon affiliate. The Air Force is there. The Army is there. The NASA is there. The FBI is there. So it was like a big, it was a small city that had the potential to grow a lot. And it has. My, all my properties have almost doubled in appreciation. So that's why I started there. I went into Kansas City, Missouri. I'm wearing my Kansas City shirt right now. <laughs> uh, and then we went into Indy and then uh, Dayton, Ohio, and just recently started doing uh, Florida. All right. Now, are you holding on to the majority of these properties or are you flipping them? You mentioned a little bit of both. Yeah. About 50-50, we're holding and keeping. I have about in the 40s anyway, properties I'm holding right now, uh, but we... We, a lot of it is I've found in order, if you want to be able to actually get a good income from real estate, just relying on cash flow, it's a tough game because stuff happens, stuff breaks. It's nice to have these chunks of money that come in as well as a cash flow. I like to mix and that's how you can fill in the gaps and pay for these roofs and stuff that breaks. And <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it makes things a little bit more easy. So I kind of do both. Okay. So you've got your, your like nest egg strategy and then you've got your accelerator strategy as, as I like to, to call yeah. it. And so does Dahlia, my mortgage broker, you've got to, you know, to scale at some point you're in growth mode and then you're in more your mortgage pay down mode, but you need some of the accelerators to help you pay down the mortgages. So that's kind of, I, I think what you're doing a little yeah, bit as well as exactly, like your yeah. nest egg and your accelerators. Very- I think I first read about it in that Stefan Arnio book. He's all about the, the new ink, like current money, like a, a cash flow money and long-term money. You want to have mixes of all the different pieces. Very cool. Awesome. So, so you're a Canadian. So obviously a U.S. investing in the U, a U.S. person or American person investing in the U.S. is very different than a Canadian investing in the U.S. And I know you're not an accountant or a lawyer or any of that stuff. So guys, you have to get advice. But what are some things that Canadians need to know as an investor going in, buying U.S. properties? Can you share some of your, your biggest learnings? Sure. So some of the like simple things are, is you really should be investing inside of a corporate structure. I know that's very common even for Canadians, but it's more so from crossing the border. You want to make as many walls between them and here. You don't want them coming after you personally for anything. They do like to sue. Uh, I've never really been sued. I've gotten one letter, but it turned out it was, it was a mistake, <laughs> but <laughs> it's terrifying. But uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but basically you want to have uh, and corporate structure is a lot cheaper to set up than setting up like a true Canadian corporate structure. I set up an LP usually uh, in the States and they're like 700 bucks. So you can put, uh, if you want to, you can have one for each property. I usually like to put about five in, a, in, a, in an LP. And that's just sort of because if someone does get a judgment, if you are negligent, they'll just go after that corp, right? So it's what's in that corp. Uh, so you can have a nice wall. And in all honesty, a lot of the lenders, they, they want to run to a corporate structure more than a Canadian. So it makes sense to set them up and they're cheap, 700 bucks. You know, it, it's, it's not going to 
it's us 700 us but it's it's not going to break anyone it's not a really expensive structure and yeah it offers protection offers more lending options is one of the biggest ones oh i could go into lots of stories of stuff i've learned but uh yeah <laughs> you're going to need an itin number uh in order to file your taxes with the irs if you do pay taxes to the irs there is a tax treaty so you won't pay them to the canada revenue agency it's kind of convoluted and i got i got two accountants i have an accountant in dearborn michigan that does my american side and i have an accountant uh fort erie i think he is uh here in ontario and there is a whole bunch of advantages to doing two separate accountants um the way the paperwork flows because I don't know, I'm on a podcast, but there's lots of different <laughs> way, different advantages by having two different people do the two different sides based on- Yeah, the and guys, I, I will say just get get a good accountant that understands the the regulations around investing in the US and, and they're going to be able to handhold you for sure and, and help they're, you just like Glenn was able to, to invest and, and do certain things. There's always, uh, there's always ways to structure these things. Yes, and there is plenty of them in uh, in Ontario that have, you know, there there are certified cross border accountants. Get someone who actually has like a certification or something regarding this. They're not just oh yeah, I know how to take the paper. You want it done right because with anything, just having a CPA do your taxes on your real estate rather than you doing it yourself, they may they'll likely find more money than you would have found, and to pay even for their fees, it makes sense to use someone specialized in in that field yeah absolutely um, what about from a financing standpoint you know when you started buying properties are you buying these cash are you going and getting loans and if so how complicated is that <laughs> so i did my very first one cash um and then i refied it what three maybe six months somewhere in there three six months later i refinanced it mm -hmm. and i with that money from the first one i bought three more with the okay. same amount of money because that's just how it sort of compounded. Uh, but the first one, yeah, I had, it was a little tricky off as, as you go, it does get easier because a lot of this is asset based lending, which isn't really done in, in Canada. And so it's a lot of it's based on your track record, uh, how much interest rate you're paying. And a lot of it's based on the property. Like how does the property perform? How good of deal did you find? is how, because it's less risk for them if it's a really good deal, especially if it's on like, uh, say a fix and flip loan. So you're buying it really cheap or something, but the, it appraises for, you bought it for 10 grand and appraises for a hundred grand. Like the lender's going to lend on that because <laughs> it's, it, well, actually they probably won't actually lend on that exact scenario because it's too cheap, but <laughs> they, they're looking for a good deal. That's where you'll get the easiest lending. If you're just buying at market value on the MLS, uh, it's, you can still find loans, but your, your terms won't be as good. Like the better the, because it's based on the assets. So the better the, the deal, the better the right. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors on this week's episode. I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White's Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that 
they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the rhino part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's going to cost and what renos are going to be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is white elmdesignbuild.com or you can send them an email joel j-o-e-l at whiteelmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com good luck on your next projects now back to the show it sounds a little bit too like commercial lending you know even in canada right i mean it's property first and then the person second so find a good deal with a, a good, you know, NOI net operating income in, the, in Canada, even if you don't have, you know, a job per se or, or whatnot, that's secondary to the actual property. So that's what it kind of reminds me a little bit like. Yeah. The, the interest rates are a lot more expensive though. So that is the disadvantage of the U.S. is you better be ready to pay more, but for interest. But so you're what are we make- talking about roughly? Like just, to, just curious. Like what, uh, six or seven. Okay. Yeah, for uh, like a long-term loan, which, because, you know, the Americans, they're still getting their three and a halves, but we're not, we don't have the same check boxes that they can fill in for us. We don't have a social security number. We don't have a local residence. Like another trick, I use my CPA for my addresses because a lot of things insist on American addresses. You don't want mail going to your, uh, whatever, your properties or whatever. And you, that's the one advantage of having an American CPA because then you can send stuff to him. If you have a Canadian CPA, you still need a mailing address. I know you can get the mail forwarding systems and everything else. I like that he gets the things and I can get stuff, you know, FedEx to him or UPS, like instant stuff. And which I know some of the mail forwarding things won't do. Some of them will, I know, <laughs> but okay. I'm a, I, go, I go on random. I <laughs> know <laughs> that's, that's awesome. All right. So, so when it comes to setting up your team out there and ensuring that you're not working so much inside the business and you're working on your business, how are you set up? So like for finding contractors and stuff, that's what you mean off the start. I would, uh, your, your, your biggest problem with doing these renovations is your scope of works getting out of whack or like that the stuff isn't in there or your timelines, right? So if you want to first minimize your like scope of work mistakes, 
get multiple quotes because different contractors will see different things. And don't just look at the price. Oh, that price, this one's cheaper than this. What is in there? And maybe the first guy missed some stuff that the second guy noticed or maybe, and then you can go by price and try and like, I like to try and make like two spreadsheets and like just, this is one guy's price and match their quotes up because they're never, they're never apples to apples. They're completely different. Some guys will just like, here's the, the whole quote, 50 grand. Well, I want it broken down so that I can see what it is. And also okay. lender will not lend on a, a scope of work that isn't broken down. But yeah, by getting multiple bids, you can real, uh, narrow down how much out of scope stuff you're going to have because that's going to be your big money buster and carrying costs if your time is out of whack. Time is hard, especially off the start to know if this contractor is going to be on time. And that I've noticed in the States is the biggest thing is that often they can get the scope of right scope of work close. Some contractors are not good at this at all anywhere. And they like to do ads, which I hate because that screws up budgets really bad. But timelines is where I found is the biggest weakness is that timeline, everything goes over time. And especially through COVID, we had a lot of problems where there was fewer people working for the municipalities, for the, the, the counties or whatever. And so if you needed to get um, an electrical inspection, which used to be like, they call them and they show up like a day or two later, 24 days to wait. So wow. like your, yeah. your whole construction comes to a halt because you're like, I can't, you know, drywall these walls up. I needed it exposed for this electrical permit or this plumbing permit. Yeah, we've, we've had some similar things happen in some of the, you know, cities and, and areas in Ontario even, and I'm sure the rest of Canada too with COVID, right? Everything gets delayed. <laughs> but, you know, even so aside from the contractor, like let's just say you've got somebody listening right now thinking, okay, how do I even get started, right? Like where do I even start looking? How do I even find a, a realtor? How do I find a property manager? My pro you know, there's all of those questions around it too before the renos, you know, how, yeah. how did you go about, you know, actually doing it? What I did off the very start uh, is I bought turnkey properties. So somebody else had taken a, a beat up property, fixed it up to rental standard, not to flip standards. And then you bought it for close to market value, but it came with all the pieces attached. It had like the property manager was attached. The, the whole thing was all in when I know in a big package I often had a lender who would lend to foreign nationals. The whole thing was done in one package. The problem with that is somebody else made all the money. Somebody else did the <laughs> renovation and did all this stuff. So I did a bunch of those and I collected receipts as I went and I could slowly like, Hey, this is contractors who they use. And this, you know, I already had the property managers nice. and people are usually pretty good at sharing their property managers. They're less giving on their contractors because they want to keep the contractors busy themselves. So the you look at the receipt and you're like, I need to contact this contractor myself. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh, I need a, I need the receipts, you know, instead of just your property management statement, I want, you know, can I get the actual receipt from the person? Yes. And they're like, Oh, they're, they're just not quite sure about us yet. So yeah, here's all the receipts. And you're like, okay, now I got a plumber. I got a <laughs> guys that are, awesome. you know, vetted. Um, so I started doing stuff like that. Um, and when you switch markets, you basically start over again. And a lot of it is getting referrals to people. You're like, I need a good property management. And you talk to, you go on the Facebook groups, you go on some of their local meetups. Cause a lot of this stuff, especially now with COVID, everything's went online. It's easy mm. to join groups in anywhere in the world uh, and, and participate and people will share stuff back with you. 
but that's the way to get your team. It's the way not to get your team is to go on Craigslist and find a contractor that can start tomorrow. Who isn't doing oh, never. <laughs> Don't do that. Please. Anybody. <laughs> I get people call me and they tell me the story about how the contractors took them for a whole lot of money. And I was like, where did you get this guy? And they're like, Oh, you know, so I just Googled contractor in Phoenix. And you're like, Ooh, (laughs) he was available to start tomorrow. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. I I think that's the biggest headache when it comes to like, even just me with doing the birth strategy and I'm sure, you know, on on your run too, is just finding the right contractors that are going to be consistent over time and keep their prices reasonable over time, right? Because like as as they get even better and better and busier and busier, prices seem to, you know, go up a little bit as well. And, you know, granted, right. I know things, materials and everything, especially during COVID, has probably taken a bit of a rise regardless. But it's uh it is it is a dilemma, right? And then you switch to a different place and then you're like, okay, you know, I have a good contractor for this area, but they won't go all the way to this other area. So then you've got to rebuild. And I'll tell you that that is like the, probably the biggest thing that I've had to go through and I, I've got some good ones right now, but like it, it takes time to build. And then you have some, you know, we've had a situation where we had a great contractor and, you know, a, for the next property, he unfortunately got into the drugs and, you know, it went downhill from there. So we had to replace him and, you know, mid project, it wasn't very good. <laughs> no. So th- tons of things can happen. Tons of things can go wrong. You know, it's, it's part of the game. Unfortunately, you know, there's good and there's bad to it. It's not all, all, fun and relaxing. There is stress to it for sure, but it's definitely worth it. And just out of curiosity, just as you know, I don't know if you're able to share like what, what your portfolio even looks like. I mean, have you done, you know, how many number of deals have you done and, and what do you currently have in your portfolio roughly? Roughly? Uh, I don't know how many deals we've done. We have around 40 we're holding right now in the forties. I don't know exactly the number. I have to go get a sheet, but probably 
not a lot more than that because I was mostly keeping them all. I've only, I'm not, the flip game is, I'm still fairly new to that. And so not, but basically around how many I've done in the States is okay. that. I, I did do a bunch in Canada before I went down there. So, so about 40, right? So like, how, yeah. like, so are they, do they, so at some point in, in Ontario or, or Canada, right? When you, when you scale up, it gets more difficult and more difficult to acquire. And I don't know, based on what, what you're saying, it sounds like in the U.S., it's more about the property itself. So does that mean that you can keep scaling and scaling with, you know, some of the same lenders or, you know, how does that all work? Yeah, they're not going to cap us like, cause we're not using, if you were using your social insurance or your social security number, they're going to cap you at the 10 properties. We're not using that. We're doing programs that don't need that. And that's why our lending is more expensive also. Uh, but we can, we can have as many as we want. Um, I guess it doesn't, we're not, we're not limited by how many properties. So I can, I can keep buying them. The other thing is the way I do my joint ventures. Um, it's a little different than the way most Canadians do them. So we, we buy the property into a corporation. We're both 50, 50 owners. I'm the working partner. There's a money partner, but when we're qualifying for the loans, it actually is more beneficial to use me to qualify for the loans. Cause it's based on experience and stuff. So I can give them the big spreadsheet with all the, the projects we've done. And that's helpful for the thing, but we're all, we're both protected. We're both in a corp. So it's not usually like, I know a lot of the Ontario ones where you have to do the piece of paper to protect the working partner because he really isn't on title or on the loan mm -hmm. or on anything. Right. So um, we, we don't have to do that because it's all owned by the corporate, the corporation that we own together. Okay. So, so the, the 40 are JVs or are they like a split of, of your own stuff versus, you know, um, most of them are JVs. I think I've okay. gotten 30 JVs. I hold about 10 myself okay. and I'm slowly selling those off too. <laughs> I'm it's, it's like with everything it's what happened is a lot of those properties at the start, they were, uh, they're turnkey and they didn't produce the way I, the properties I buy now do. Right. And I like to look at the portfolio every year and what are the lowest performing ones? And every time at the very bottom, it's all the turnkey ones that I bought. So why am I keeping these? Am I keeping it for the appreciation play? Basically that's it right now. Mm. And cause they're in, you know, those core cities that I was pointing to at the start, which had some good uh, economic factors and they are appreciating very well. But at some point you go, we're even looking at refinancing. So, cause that's what people are probably thinking. Why don't you refinance them and keep them? But as you refinance these properties, the same thing happens in Ontario. They don't cash flow as good when you refinance them because you didn't buy a good enough deal right? You bought them off the MLS and you, even you bought them for a hundred thousand, they're worth a hundred thousand, but now they're worth 180,000, right? You're like, oh, you could refinance it, but the rent hasn't gone up enough on some of those. And there's different reasons. So the yeah. ones that aren't running well, that's the ones to get rid of and then use that money to buy four more or five more. And you just, you recycle the money around. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes sense. Now, now I will say though, um, there are some lenders in Canada, especially as you're, you're scaling and you're starting that will refinance as a home equity line of credit, a HELOC. So it doesn't necessarily raise your mortgage payments. It just allows you to have a line of credit that you can use towards the next property. And then you can use, you can yes. calculate the cost of service that debt into the cash flow of the next one. So, yeah. so it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So I don't know if in the U S they do that, like the line of credit on the, on the property or it's a whole different thing out there. I don't know. I haven't done it. I was actually just talking to Quentin over in Ajax and yes. he's trying to do it on some of his uh, Tampa properties. Yeah. We've never done the line of credit. I don't know what kind of terms we're going to, he's going to get for it, but if it works out, then I'm going to do it too. But the, in all honesty, I want to, 
I want to get my social security number before I get into that stuff. Cause right. I want to do that and then refinance a whole bunch of them and then sell off a bunch of the, the low producers. Yeah. So I don't know if you know the answer to this question. And I, I was always wondering this and if you don't, that's fine. And guys, by all means, like not an accountant, not a lawyer, et cetera. But so I was, I was always fascinated by the 1031 exchanges, how in the U S you sell a property. If you buy another one of, of equal or higher value within a certain time frame, I can't remember what that is, but you essentially defer taxes. Yep. So as a Canadian buying in the U S how does that work? Or is that not something that we get the privilege to take advantage of? We do get the privilege to take advantage of it. It is legal for a Canadian to do it. And yeah, basically what you're saying, you can just exchange a property for another property. The, the capital gain burden that you normally would pay just transfers to the new property. So the new property has to be more expensive than the existing property. So you can trade them around and not pay any capital gains. The trick, we haven't done one yet. <laughs> we've, been, we've been talking to several CPAs about it. And the worry is the IRS, no problem. They will, they'll do it for us. No problem. The worry is that Canada revenue might go, wait, you sold, you sold the property. And the way that they'll, the IRS will go, no, they exchanged a property. And it's, it's all about how the paperwork lines up, like seeing uh, the documentation that a, a CPA in the States would prepare. Would it say that it's a sale of the property or would it say that there's been an exchange and how Canada Revenue would treat that. Because the worst thing that could happen, you want to make sure you do these things right. That's why you get lots of opinions. Because the worst thing that could happen is that, yeah, the IRS says, oh yeah, you can defer this forever, right? And so you keep putting new properties, starting a new amortization schedule, keep going, right? But Canada Revenue already gave you the capital gains tax. And then later, your kids or whoever who actually sells one of these properties someday instead of 1031 again will get that tax burden that's already technically been paid in Canada and you got basically double taxed. So it's about doing it right. I have heard that you can do it, but there's you got to have a super professional, not even just your regular cross-border accountant do this. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it is more complex for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sounds really intriguing. I want to go back to the JV piece. Are you JVing with Canadians or are you JVing with Americans or are you doing both right now and why? Mostly Canadians. Even my private money we raise, mostly Canadians. I've worked with like one or two Americans, not, not very common. In all honesty, mostly Canadians listen to my show. So it's, yeah, it's Canadians we use. Uh, so we're still, we don't have all those benefits of, you know, having a social security number and stuff, but I do have two joint ventures right now that are Americans. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I do like having this, it, it's, it's, I don't know how to say this properly, but it's nice to work with Canadians. It's nice to work with someone I can go down the road or go meet up for a coffee, uh, someone who's local. It's nice to have that there. Uh, nothing against working with the Americans, but it's like, it's phone, it's distant. It's not as, even though I do have JVs out in Vancouver. So it's <laughs> really, what's the difference there? But I don't know. I, I do mostly work with Canadians. Canadians are nicer. I've said it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. So how can, and I want to talk about your show for a second, because you mentioned your show. How can people reach out and figure out what your show is all about and listen to your show? Sure. Uh, it's on almost every platform. So YouTube, if you want to see us, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, 
uh, iTunes, pretty much all of them. I just signed up for the Amazon Music. I don't, I haven't seen it show up yet, but anyway, it'll probably be there shortly. It, it's out there everywhere. If you want to start with one episode, episode 100, it's every 100 episodes, I go and summarize like everything. And it's like a tutorial off the start of what to do as a Canadian. It's going to go into the like entry costs, the rent to value ratios, how to determine them, the tax benefits, how to, like what kind of loans they do, 30-year loans instead of five-year loans for terms. And just and it gives you the whole breakdown. If you want to do a turnkey, how to do it, how you, if you want to do construction, and it's just a sort of a big summary. It talks about taxes. It talks about lots of things. I want to build uh, an index to sort of link people to certain spots because there's, I always get the ta- same tax questions in my email, uh, but there's uh, like six episodes on taxes uh, and how, and with CPAs from Canada and CPAs from the US, but episode 100 will get you started it's out there everywhere. If you want to contact me, it's Glenn at glensutherland.com, one N in Glenn. And uh, I'm always open to helping people. In all honesty, I don't like those like three page emails because I was like, I'll look at that later. But it, so- is, it is tough. Like, you know, like, and, and you, and that's exactly what I do too. I'm like, I love that. Like they spent so much time writing stuff, but like, sometimes I have like 200 emails. I'm like, I just want to go through them. And then I get, I get back to them and, I, but it's like 10 days later, I kind of feel bad, but I want to make sure I do my own. <laughs> oh yeah. The two to three questions is perfect. And then we'll just do another email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes it's just easy to like, you know, once you start talking to people, like even just voice text, I love voice text. I don't know if you've started using it, but it's just like, if somebody has an, uh, an iPhone and somebody else has an iPhone, you can literally just press and hold, speak into it. And it sends it as a text. Uh, I do that in my truck. I haven't done it on an actual iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't like translate into like actual like words. It's yeah. just a voice. Like, I don't know, whatever you call it with the, like the little wave. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Glenn. So I, I want to do the, our lightning round next. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions and you're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready for the lightning round? I hope so. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right, number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Oh my God, there's some... Everyone gives the cliche rich dad, poor dad. I just read pitch anything last month. It blew my mind. I'm going to read it like four more times this year because you can't absorb it all, but not totally real estate related that Keller Williams one or the Keller one. Uh, what's that thing called? Millionaire real estate, Millionaire investor. Real estate investor. Yep. That's yep. solid. There's so many solid books. I have a book club also on Facebook. Every month we read a book, but <laughs> pitch anything right now is the one that's blown my mind most recently. Cause that was just last month's book. I, don't know, I read a book every month. So I, I have tons of them. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Lots of, uh, of good tips there. Number two, your favorite podcast that you like to listen to the most. Well, <laughs> I I think the one I listen to the most is probably uh, Epic Real Estate's Matt Terrio. I know it's a lot of it's on wholesaling, but I do pull a lot of tidbits out of that one. I listen to a lot of them. I like Joe Fairless's Best Ever Real Estate Investing Advice. I listen to that one a lot too, but he doesn't have daily podcasts, so I pick through and I can't listen to them all. It's too much. Um, I don't even know how he does a, a podcast today. Like I, I do like this one every week and then the other, like the right club one I, every week. And I'm like, that's a lot. Like imagine doing it daily. 
don't even know how he does it. I I talk to him. He does every Monday. He schedules eight shows. He records eight and he always has one extra. He does seven days and then he keeps bundling. And he's out like six months now from, because he's been doing it for so many years. Yeah, no, I remember talking to him about it too. And I was on this show like maybe a year ago. I'm like, I don't know how you do it, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? I play hockey. My kid is really big into biking. So now I bike like four hours a day, it seems. He's got into trails and stuff. But I, you know, hockey usually Friday and Sunday. And that's, that's my big thing is I still like to play pickup hockey. Very nice. All right. Number four, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I would start a, a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast, something to put out there. Uh, even like people who haven't started, that's what they should do. And even if you're not an expert, do it as like, you know, for dummies and I'll learn. It's an awesome opportunity to basically pick anyone's brain and to grow yourself. And it also eventually will position yourself as an authority. And then from there, you can attract people to uh, lend you nice, expensive private money to buy deals. As long as you have good enough deals, it works beautifully. And then you can do it all yourself that way, or you could do the joint venture path and uh, attract people. Um, That's, that's probably what I would do. Wholesaling is great too, because they make big money, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> you don't want to have an, uh, I, I think you should be doing that whole t- full-time, like not another job as well. Cause that's a no, lot. No, exactly. Wholesaling is, is a full-time job in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend that they spend that 50 grand? I would tell them to wait until I have a cheap deal. The best way to do it would be a JV because I do find deals we bought our Glendale property for, I think, $8,000, which is a du- brick duplex side-by-side, which in, in Canada we'd call two semis, but they call them a duplex because they don't split them, the Wait, lines so in the middle. For 8000 yeah. bucks, like total, that was the price of the entire house. That was the per- price of the purchase, yeah. And then we had to put in, I think, 40 or 50 grand into it, but we could, we could make that work with 50 grand. We could do a cheap deal, and then we rent each side for like 900 a month. So it's like really, you know, those aren't, typical like you have to do some work like we were well, trying to let me just put it this way you find something like that just let me know i'll partner with you <laughs> we find them we need we need you get really cheap properties and it's like when you're the thing is if you're asking for a small amount of money it's a lot easier to find people than asking for a lot of money <laughs> yeah but the, but the numbers i mean again there's fundamentals in each market right i mean to me like you've got to have your your core focus your core strategy your core area and maybe that's it and that's and that's cool too but i, I will say like there is downsides to, to cheap properties as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because sometimes they're not in the best neighborhood. So, and neighborhoods are more important in the United States than in Canada. In Canada, they don't, we don't have like- War zones. <laughs> B, e, we don't have spots that like isn't safe to walk through. We don't have that stuff, right? And so, yeah, they're, they're, the cheapest properties will likely show up in there. So buying based on price is not- we didn't even talk about my list, but <laughs> buying based on price is not the way to buy property. You got to buy neighborhoods, crime maps, and you want, you want it to be better than before. I don't know. It, there's, a, there's a lot of, I could talk about that for like an hour, but it, it, it's important. It's really important. And our school zones are not, school funding is not run the same as the United States. They're talking in legislation right now, changing it. 
But the way their school zones is, okay, there's these clump of houses worth like half a million dollars. So they have a lot more tax pool and it all goes to the school inside of that zone. Whereas the school zone over here, all the houses are worth $30,000 and the tax pool goes to that school. How good do you think the school differences are? Huge. Mm -hmm. And people won't live on the one side of that road between the two zones because they are going to have to go to the other school and nobody wants to go to that school. People go to that school because they have to go to that school. Right. And your property will never, even if you buy one just on the wrong side of the road, it'll never be worth the value of the other side of the road. So interesting. Yeah. So I know you mentioned it a little bit where people can find you, but can you just mention it again? Just if, uh, if anyone wants to write it down. Sure. Glenn at glensutherland.com is my email. Glensutherland.com is the webpage. Um, you can subscribe to all my stuff there. It has links to most of it anyway. I haven't updated it in, I don't know, a little bit, but should have almost all the podcasts and stuff. And uh, yeah, email me. Let's, uh, let's have a conversation. I'm always open. Very cool. What are your final words of advice? Do your research. Work hard at your research, especially off the start. Don't get lazy on picking contractors offline. It's, it's a bit of work. Or so do a lot of research or buy turnkey and give someone else the money or JV with someone else who's already doing it. That's, that's the best advice. Awesome. Glenn, yeah. thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. We'll have to have you back at some point. Investing in the U.S. is it's definitely interesting, but it's a lot of unknowns, right, for, for many Canadians. So thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Sarah. Hey, guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.